the word of God for the people of God. And so we say, thanks be to God. Amen. Well, again, welcome to Easter. Uh, here we are, Easter Sunday. He, he is risen. Amen. Uh, I had a friend text me this week and uh, tell me he was praying for me. And the reason why he was praying for me is something that you may or may not know, but uh, he acknowledged something that, that all of us preachers kind of wrestle with when we come to big days like, like Easter Sunday. Um, when we're preparing a sermon, uh, this friend that texted me, he's a pastor as well, and so he knows this, this struggle, and so his words really resonated with me. He said, uh, I know the pressure of trying to come up with a, an excellent Easter sermon when everybody knows what you're going to preach on and everybody's already heard the story. And, and that's true, right? Easter is such a big day. It's, it's kind of like the Super Bowl of Sundays. It's the, it's the World Series of Worship. It's the National Championship of Church Services. It's the, you, you get the picture, right? It's a, it's a big deal. Um, and so just to kind of continue on the sport metaphor, we as, we as preachers, we, we really try hard to, to, pre, to preach a sermon that, that knocks it out of the park, right? That, that, uh, that drains the winning shot, that calls the winning play, and, and yet everybody in the room knows what play you're going to call and what you're going to do. So there's a lot, of, a lot of stress and anxiety that goes into that. I'm just being really honest with you all. But this week as I was praying about that and praying through that, and, and reading this passage of scripture, I was reminded of, of the amazing truth about God's word, that, that there's always something new and fresh to be found, even in a story that maybe we've heard over and over again. Somehow God's spirit breathes new life into those words on the page. And so as I was praying and preparing for, for the Easter sermon this week, there were a few words from that passage of scripture that sort of jumped off the page at me. And I want to share them with you this morning. For me, it was found in, in those first few words of the first sentence of the first verse. Actually, the first seven words. Do you remember what they were? On the first day of the week. Now, that probably doesn't sound too earth-shattering, too life-changing to you at this moment. So let me, let me kind of explain that and unpack it for you really quickly. Uh, the interesting thing about it was it wasn't actually what the words said but it was where the words were situated. And here's what I mean by that. This, this story, the Easter story, the story of Jesus' resurrection, it's, it's found in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, and it's, they're all found in the same place at the very end of the book, the very end of the story, when you think things are kind of wrapping up and it's done, right? Um, Matthew 28, Mark 16, Luke 24, John 20, all four Gospels have this story at the very end. And the very first thing that they say in this final part of the story is some, some form of on the first day of the week. And I just thought that was interesting. And, and as I thought about it more and as I prayed about it more, it started to hit me. On the, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, all these things kind of point to this idea of in the beginning. And and so for me, I felt like God placed this on my heart. And, I, and as I read it again, it was like reading it for the first time. And this is what I want to share with you this morning. Uh, the point is this. The resurrection of Jesus reminds us of this powerful truth. And that's this. When we think it's the end, it just might be the beginning of something new. 
in Jesus, when, when we think it's the end of the story, it's really the beginning of something new that God is doing and that God is telling us. I think that's important for us today because that's the power of the Easter story. That's the good news of God's grace. You might think it's the end of the story, but in Christ, it's just the beginning. And that's good news. I want to share this with you this morning. Wherever you are this morning, you might, you might think it's the end. You might think you're at the end of, of your rope or, or the end of your marriage or the end of your career or the end of, of life as you know it. But, but I want you to just think about the Easter story for just a minute this morning. Nothing seemed more final than what happened on Good Friday. Everyone thought that that was the end of the story. But the empty tomb shows us that nothing is impossible with God. Amen? My good friend, John Weaver, he shared a great quote with me this week. He, he, he reminded me of a, of a colleague that we had down in Alabama that, um, that they would have a Easter sunrise service every year in, in a cemetery that was right next to the church. And he said our friend and colleague would start every Easter sunrise service with the same phrase. And, and he did this great uh, Alabama Southern impression. I'm going to try to do it as well. But he said the same thing every, every Easter Sunday. He said, our faith was born in a graveyard. And I thought, man, that is a great, that'll preach. Our faith was born in a graveyard. Have you ever thought about that before? That what seems like the end is really just the beginning. So you might think you're at the end of your story today, but the story of Easter reminds us that in Christ, it's just the beginning. It can, it's the beginning of new life that's ours in Jesus because of Easter, the new life that we have in Christ. For the last six weeks or so here at the church, we've been going through this uh, series where we've talked about what it looks like to live a Jesus-shaped life, to live a life that's shaped and formed by the life of Jesus. And so today, uh, what I want to lift up to you is this, that the Jesus-shaped life is a life that's shaped by the resurrection of Jesus. It's a life that's been filled with new life because of the empty tomb. And it's a life that's also willing to, to empty itself because of the empty tomb so that others might experience that new life in Christ. Uh, in the New Testament, the, the Apostle Paul was, was one who was sent out and, and he wrote these letters to, to different churches and he was helping them try to make sense of what it looked like to live their lives and their life together in light of the resurrection of Jesus. And so I wanna share a few things that he says to those churches. I think they're every bit as applicable now as they were then about what it looks like to live this new life in Christ. To the Galatians, he says this, I have been crucified with Christ, and so I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. To the Corinthians, he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. And then probably my favorite passage of scripture, uh, especially for Easter, is this one found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where he explains uh, just the magnitude of what, what Easter means to us. 
1 Corinthians 15, 54 through 58 says, when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. I love this passage because it's, it's packed with, with inspiration and with encouragement for us as followers of Christ and as members of the body of Christ, the church. But it's also chock full of, of challenge. And, and for me, it all starts right at the very center of this passage with one of my favorite words in the Bible. It's this word, therefore. And the reason why I love this word, therefore, so much is because um, it, it, it makes us have to look around. One of the things I love to say is when you see the word, therefore, in the Bible, you have to look around to see what it's there for. And so what you have to do is you have to look back at the beginning, and what you see is this pattern in this passage. It's what I like to call the what, the so what, and the now what. And so here in this passage, what, it, what it's telling us is the what is the resurrection of Jesus, right? Jesus is alive. That's the what. He is risen. All right, good. You're still with me. So, so Jesus is alive. That's the what that we need to, to, to grab onto this morning. The perishable has been, has been clothed with imperishable, mortality with immortality. Death has been swallowed up in life. This is not the end of the story. There is new life in Christ. That brings us to the so what. The so what is our new life in Christ. Christ has won this victory once and for all over sin and death for you and for me. And so for those of us who put our faith in Christ, sin is no longer the defining word in your life. And death is no longer the final word in your life. We have been clothed in Christ. That's what we celebrated when Michael was baptized over here just a minute ago. This is new life. We are alive, maybe, maybe more alive than we've ever been before in Christ. We, because Christ was resurrected, we can experience resurrection in our own lives as we seek to live this Jesus-shaped life. And so that brings me to the, the now what. This is how we actually go about applying the Jesus-shaped life to every part of our lives. And, and to this, Paul simply says, stand firm. Dear brothers and sisters, let nothing move you. Keep moving forward, following Jesus. Keep pursuing this Jesus-shaped life. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. This is an important word for us, brothers and sisters in Christ. It's important for us to understand this because, because we live in a culture that that teaches us something totally different than this. Our, our culture and our world says that, that life is all about the preservation of self. It's about looking out for number one. It's about pursuing these things like, like power and possessions and positions that we think are gonna fill us up, right? But so many times they, they leave us just feeling more empty. 
You know, when, when cultures and people are, are consumed with themselves, sooner or later we begin to consume ourselves. We're, we're so focused on ourselves, we eventually pick ourselves and everybody else around us apart. It's no wonder we live in a world that's so full of division and depression and destruction. These are kind of the natural results of being ruled by our natural inclinations. When we live a me-shaped life, we end up disappointed and discouraged and, and dead spiritually and emotionally and relationally. But, but see, the good news of God's grace shows us a better way. Jesus shows us that not only is there life after death, there is life actually found in, in death, so to speak, in, in dying to ourselves and, and living for Christ. We, we find new life in him. When we, when we die to those things, we experience the gift of God's grace, this life that's abundant and eternal, and it's all part of this new life in Christ. When our goal is, is preservation, we simply strive to survive. But when our goal is purpose, that's when we begin to thrive. Our days are filled with meaning and, and making a difference by, by giving ourselves fully to the work of the Lord. The Jesus-shaped life is a, a way of life that goes beyond living to thriving. It's almost like from darkness to light and death to life. The resurrection of Jesus shows us that what the results are of a life that's consumed not by self, but by, by love, a selfless love, a sacrificial love. The irony is when we try to fill ourselves up with things, they make us only feel more empty. But when we empty ourselves in service, then we become filled. Our lives become filled with meaning and purpose. We become more alive than we've ever been. And so I think the, the empty tomb is a symbol for us of, of, a, of a life that's emptied of self and filled with God's spirit. A life that's oriented towards others. Don't you want a, a life like that? Are you ready to follow Jesus out of the tomb and into this Jesus-shaped life? Maybe you're here today and you're thinking that that kind of life is impossible. Maybe you're thinking I've done too much or, or I haven't done enough. Maybe you're, maybe you're walking through circumstances right now that, that feel impossible. Maybe you're in a place where it feels like everything around you is falling apart. Maybe you're looking around and all you see is is death and decay and, and destruction. If that's you this morning, then I simply want to invite you to, to claim and to cling to the resurrection of Jesus for your life, for our world, for those around you. Remember the good news of God's grace in our Easter story that, that wherever you think you are right now in the story, sin and death do not have the last word. Even when you think you're at the end of your story, in Christ, it's just the beginning because God is a God of new beginnings. And there's really no better day to start or to start over than on Easter Sunday. So consider this, where, where do I need to claim or cling to resurrection today? What does that, what does that mean to you on this Sunday of Sundays, this Easter Sunday? It's important for us to, to celebrate like it's the Super Bowl and lift up our voices to shout, he is risen. Because he lives, 
we can celebrate today. But even more than that, let's never forget what we sang just a few minutes ago. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Whatever life or death throws at us. Because he lives, you can face that cancer diagnosis. Because he lives, you can face those divorce papers. Because he lives, you can face your, your kids going off to college or your parents failing health or, or that crippling debt or that dark depression. We can face it because of what happened on the first day of the week, very early in the morning. Even when it looks like and feels like it's the end of the story, remember this powerful truth. What we think is the end might just be the beginning of something new in Christ. There is life after whatever you're experiencing right now, even if what you're experiencing right now looks and feels like death because he lives. You can live. We can live. We don't have to settle for surviving. We can, we can thrive. We can be fully alive in Christ. We can live a Jesus-shaped life. We don't have to pursue self-preservation. We can pursue purpose. Because just like the person that we celebrate today, guess what? This day, Easter, doesn't just exist for itself. Easter isn't about this Sunday. It's, it's not even about Sunday at all. It's about how Sunday affects our Monday and our Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. It's about how Sunday affects our Friday and Saturday. Resurrection is about new life. And so it doesn't matter what happened yesterday. It doesn't matter what happened last week or last month or last year. Because of Easter, today can be the first day of the rest of your new life in Christ. I'll never forget, I was a little boy the first time I went to an Easter sunrise service and the pastor stood up there and said something that, that I remember probably 30 years later. He said, you probably hear a lot that you should live your life like it's the last day of your life. But I'm here to tell you, because of Easter, because of the, the good news of God's grace in Jesus Christ, we get to live like every day is the first day of our lives. So friends, that, that's the Jesus-shaped life that's lived in light of the resurrection. It's a life that lasts forever. And it starts today. Amen? One more time. He is risen. Amen. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you so much for this day and all that it means to us. We thank you, God, that because you sent your son, Jesus, to live and die and rise again, we have life. We have life abundant. We have life eternal. We have life together in Christ Lord, we thank you for this wonderful gift of grace, and we just ask, God, that you would fill us with that grace so that we might be good stewards of all that you've entrusted to us, Lord. I pray that, that if there's anyone here today, Lord, that has never received that free gift of life, salvation in Christ, that you would give them the, the courage and the faith to step forward into that today. If there's anyone here that's, that's struggling and wrestling with 
what their next step is. I pray that you would just put that on your heart or bring people to help them navigate that, to discover what that is. Lord, we thank you for this new life today and help us uh, live differently because of the resurrection of Jesus. God, we love you, we thank you, and we pray all this in his name. Amen, amen. Uh, the band's gonna lead us in one more song. As they do, the, the altars are open this morning. If you'd like to come and pray, you're more than welcome to come and do that. If, if you want somebody to pray with you, I'd love to pray with you this morning. If you just wanna stay in your seats and pray, that's, that's great. If you wanna sing the words to this beautiful song, or you wanna just listen to the words of this beautiful song, whatever it is this morning, with these last few minutes we've got together, uh, just, just allow God to speak to your heart. I encourage you to respond, whatever that looks like. Would you stand as we sing together?